welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful Growth Steps resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learn. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. How are you guys doing today? It's great seeing you guys. And hey, I, I want to let you know that next week we got something awesome coming. You got some cards that you should find on your seat or around your seat somewhere. I encourage you to take uh, these not only as a reminder uh, to yourself about what's coming, but to invite someone. Next week, we're going to begin a new teaching series, one of my favorite we do all year long called Top of the Charts. And yeah, we, we have fun. If you haven't been here a full year yet, you haven't experienced this. And what we do is we take a song every week. Uh, from the Billboard Hot 100, and we play one song, a song that you're hearing in the marketplace, and you're hearing it in the malls, maybe at work they're playing this, and we're going to talk about the messages that we're hearing and receiving from our culture, for good and for bad, and we're going to bring it all back to Jesus every week. We're going to have fun with creativity and music and the arts. It's just going to be an awesome, don't miss kind of Sunday every week, so I hope you'll be here, and, and please bring someone with you. It's going to be a great time, all right? Well, hey, today we're going to jump into the final message in this teaching series, and we're going to talk about seven money lessons for life. Now, I know money is a challenging topic to discuss, but I hope today it's equipping, I hope it's helpful, and I hope it really sets some people free who struggle with finances, at the very least. Uh, after the earlier service this morning, just getting to see people leaving, uh, one, one family telling me that, hey, yeah, we're now, thanks to this series, doing a budget, we're honoring God, we're also saving, and that's a huge deal for us. Another family was leaving saying, we're going to have our money conversation right now. So uh, I know it's something that's been helpful, and I, I really hope it will be for you. But even if it's some, something that you feel like, well, man, I, I feel good about this topic personally, uh, I still want to challenge you to take notes today, because most likely you'll have someone in your life that you can help financially. It might be a child one day. It might be a friend who's struggling and needs some help and guidance. So these seven money lessons are coming from the Bible, biblical sound advice on managing our money in a way that pleases God. What does God say? You know, we want to know what he says about every other area of our life. We also want to know what he says about our finances. So here we go. We're going to jump in. And I want to begin this way. I got to tell you a story. So I, I was uh, participating in a family adventure this fall, something we do every year unless there's a hurricane, <laughs> which uh, last year we had. But every September, if there's no hurricane, we go down to the Florida Keys for a few days and we, we save up for it. We get down there. We have some fun family times. And I, I had some guys in the church I was talking to about this. And they, they said, well, man, you, you've got to go to this restaurant while you're down there called Robbie's. 
And Robbie's is a place where you can feed the fish. And it's like, well, yeah, you can do that anywhere, right? And they're like, no, no, you don't understand, man. There's, there's these huge tarpon fish that you can feed, and they're monstrous, and you can, put, you can put your hand down in the water to feed the fish, and they'll, like, swallow your arm. I'm like, what are you talking about? I looked it up. I saw a picture, and sure enough, there's people's arms in these fishes. I'm like, that's just crazy. So we show up at this place, and you pay, like, five bucks, and you, you get a, a bucket of dead fish, <laughs> And you take these fish and you go over to the water and I have my kids with me and we all start throwing these fish in just to t- kind of test the waters, literally. And, and these, these monstrous tarpon, we kind of leap up out of the water, grab the fish. I mean, they're circling. I was like, this is awesome. But the, the goal was not just to feed them, it was to feed them by hand. So I'd slowly, and the boys were helping me, we, we'd slowly lower our arms into the water and these tarpon would jump up and grab the fish right out of our hands and they'd even kind of like nick your knuckles and we'd be pulling our hands out just as fast as we could and it was it was so fun but I knew the goal was to like get my hand down right into near where the water was so it could like go up on my arm and I asked the guy ahead of time because I'm like is this dangerous you know is is it dangerous like is it gonna bite my hand like what's gonna happen he goes well to be honest with you it's going to be like a cat scraping their claw down your arm, and you will bleed. He's like, just so you know. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I, I'm kind of committed at this point. I really want to do it, but I don't want to bleed either. I mean, this is a vacation. I, so I really thought about it, and I'm like, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. So I got to the edge of the dock, and I had the fish in my hand, and I slowly lower the fish down. But Jennifer stops me. She's like, hey, Brandon, you got to look up so I can get a good picture of it. I want to see your face while you're doing this. I'm like, okay. So I, I, I'm lowering my hand down into the water, knowing my hand's about to get bit off, right? And I'm staring at her, not knowing when this moment's going to happen where I feel this fish, you know, latch onto my arm. So I'm slowly lowering it. And all of a sudden, there's this thrashing in the water and this feeling like coming up my arm, like, ah! And I pull my hand up so fast. This is the picture she got, this tarpon on my, my hand. Such a crazy experience. I pulled my hand up. It was bleeding. It was bleeding. So I got a little souvenir. But the, the most special souvenir is I, I did get the bumper sticker. I had fed, fed the fish, the tarpon. So that was my adventure. But man, you know, I, I, that feeling, I, I'm not going to soon forget it, of putting my hand down in the water but not looking. I think that was the hardest part, not being able to see what's about to happen. It's like, what is going to happen? You know, I, I think a lot of us do that with our money, don't we? We pull out our card at the restaurant, at the mall, you know, we're, we're going to get the upgrade at Amazon, you know, and we just kind of like, I hope there's enough money in there. <laughs> I hope nothing bites me. And I don't know if there's any money in the budget, but we're just kind of hoping that, you know, just it's going to work out. It's, it's going to be okay. And I'm not, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. I, I know it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Just telling ourselves it's going to be okay. But it, the problem is we're not, we're not honoring God with our money because we're not keeping a close eye on it. We're not being diligent with it. And man, God's word makes it so clear that our lives, that we're managers, we're stewards of life, and we should really weigh heavily everything that we, should, we do. We should think it through. Um, Haggai chapter one, for example, verse seven. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Proverbs 14, verse 15, very similar. The, the simple believe anything but the prudent give thought to their steps. So what we want to do today is we want to become wiser at managing our money and give careful thought to our steps so that we can honor God, so we can please God with these biblical principles on how to manage money in a way that pleases God. 
So I'm going to give you these seven lessons. I want you to write them down. Number one, focus on the principle behind the purchase, not the price. All right, focus on the principle behind the purchase, not the price. So someone might say, well, man, it's, it's just a few dollars. The upgrade, larger size, you know, the newer model, the, you know, coffee and, and, or, or the, uh, the dinner instead of coffee, you know, it's just this a little bit more, a little bit big, bigger, a little bit better. And, and we don't worry about, you know, whether it fits in the budget or not. We just kind of swipe the cart. And I want to address that not because of the dollar bills that are behind every transaction, but the principle that's behind it. Because you might say that, you know, getting a little bit more than what you need or getting a little sooner than when you need it, it's not that big of a deal. It's a small amount of money. And it might be a small price, but the character trait is a big deal. Because every expenditure really is you making a statement about who you are. Randy Alcorn says, handling money is a litmus test of our true character. It's an index of our spiritual life. So the way that you spend your money really says a lot about who you are. It really says a lot about your character. And it's the principle, if I can help you find, find, discover this, man, it's so freeing because when you go to make that purchase, it's not, do I have the money or, hey, it's just a, a few dollars more to do this. No, it's, it's the principle behind it. It's like, you know what, do I really need this? You know, would, is this a wise thing to do? It's not, can I afford it or is the money there? It's, it's, you know, is this the wise thing? Does this please God? Am, am I making the right decision? You know, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, it sounds fun to go out to eat or my impulses are saying, I want to go out to eat, but it might be wise to eat at home. I'm, I want to do the wise thing tonight. You know, I'm going to save some money. So it's a principle. Focus on the principle. That'll really help a ton. And, you know, it's really not a financial decision when you spend money. It's really, there's a lot of it that's a character decision. And, you know, I think the small things, we overlook them because it's like it's only a few bucks here and there. But you saw in the money-saving challenge, wasn't that great? That was so awesome. You saw in the money-saving challenge how quickly a few dollars adds up to a lot of dollars. Isn't that amazing? I thought that was great to see some examples there. And the truth is, is that we don't overlook little things in other areas of life, but we do it all the time in money, don't we? Like, if, if you walked into your uh, doctor's office and your doctor said, hey, um, I've noticed you just have a little bit of cancer, and I can, I can treat it, uh, or we could just let it sit. But if we let it sit, it's going to grow. You'd say, no, like, deal with it now. I don't, I don't want it to grow. But, but, but it's just a little bit of cancer. No, that's a big deal. Why? Because it can grow into more. And we, with our money, we overlook it when it's a small thing. Well, it's just, just a little bit of money. It's not that big of a deal. But the, it's not just that purchase. It's that your character is being formed by that little compromise. And so it's going to grow to more. And in other areas of your life, you're going to make compromises. And then you're gonna, your spending will be out of control. So look at the principle. I think to win at this first lesson, you have to know the second lesson, which is really a foundation underneath that. And that's that I manage stuff for God because he owns my stuff. Maybe I want to circle that word manage. I manage stuff for God because he owns my stuff. I'm a manager. It's how I think about money. It's, I, it's I heard one person say, it's, it's like contact lenses where we view everything through these, the biblical principles of stewardship and management. It's like, you know, I, I'm viewing all my money through God's eyes. Like, how would God want me to spend? What would he want me to do? Um, am, I, am I making wise, God-pleasing decisions? You know, I, I think to help with this, you know, we, we go back, we trace back, where does our money come from? We think, well, my paycheck, I got a job. And, uh, I went to school so I could get my job. Or I trained to get my job. But there's actually another layer before that, how your money 
came into your hands. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So, so God gives us our income because he provides for us and gives us the ability to earn. So never forget that and never forget where you're going. Never forget where you're going. One day I'm going to stand accountable to God for all my spending decisions, how I manage my life, how I manage my money. See, I worship God and I use money rightly. I don't use God to get money so that I can worship it. I, I, put, I put God first in my money. Matthew tells us this, Jesus' own words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So that's, that's just a true principle right from Jesus' own lips, that you can't serve both. And our money says in God we trust, but don't we sometimes live like we heard last week, like an economic atheist where we, we live you know, as if we don't really believe in God when it comes to our money. And if you will start to change how you view your money as God's money, and you just start to talk about it that way, it's not my car, it's God's car. I'm managing it. You'll manage it differently. It's not my house, it's God's house. It's, it's not my stuff, it's not my money, it's not my bank account, it's God's. I'm managing it for him. It just changes how you look at it. And Jesus goes on and he says in verse 31, he says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first, everybody say first. first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So as PK did such a great job last week talking to us about the order of our spending. It's not bad to have fun things in your life, other things in your life. I mean, here God says, you know, your father knows what you need, right? It's not bad to, to do those things. It's just the order that you put them in. If you live for me first and fun first and you first, then, then what's going to happen is, is that your spending is going to be out of, out of order. But if you put God first and you save and you take care of your needs and then you get to the stuff that you want to do, man, man life goes so much more smoothly and there's so much more freedom in it. And, uh, you know, I, I think about uh, this story. I think about what we can do uh, with our money. I think about uh, how when we are wise and manage things for God, how we can bless others. And I want to have Kelsey come on up here. Kelsey is the, the leader of our new life coaching team. And this team, man, what a great ministry. We're, we're syncing up people one-on-one -on -one when they have a need in a number of different areas with someone from our church who can help them and walk with them through that. So Kelsey, can you tell us a little bit more about the life coaching team? Yeah, so we, um, we, we started this in September. Um, we had a woman that had written into us, and she um, needed some financial help. And we wanted to be able to help her, but we also wanted to be able to um, help her create life, like healthy life habits that she can carry on through her everyday life. Um, she's a single mom, and she needed some financial help to provide the best for her daughter. And so um, we were able to help her out financially, but we also have a woman in our church who is um, very good with budgeting, and she's super passionate about helping other people with this skill. So we've been able to help her out with that. 
Man, that's so neat. So syncing people up with a need and someone who has a gifting that can meet that need. I just think that's so cool. What are some other areas that we're wanting to meet needs in? Yeah, so we've got finances, we've got addictions, we have um, service projects we want to help people out with, and um, relationship issues. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and we're doing things like referring people to counseling, and we're helping fund that where there's a need. Uh, like Kelsey said, I mean, service projects, compassion projects, whatever opportunities we have to serve, we're very excited, and all through relationship, one-on-one. So it's a sustainable, long-term way to make a difference. So guys, can we just celebrate that? I think that's pretty awesome. Thank you, Kelsey. When you manage things uh, in a way that pleases God, I mean, you're freed up to meet needs and make a difference, and I, I love that. Well, one of the things that we, we do um, in our prayer time from every once in a while in the morning, uh, we have an 8.30, 9 o'clock morning prayer time for everybody who came in early. Some of them here as early as 7, 7.30, helping set up everything. And we, we huddle together and we pray. And we, we pray for you guys and pray for the services throughout the day. And one of the things that we'll sometimes do is I'll ask them a question. I'll say, why are we doing this? And everybody will say, first love. And we'll shout it out real loud. So I want to invite you guys into that right now. I want, I want, you guys already know the answer. What you guys shout out here is first love. But let me ask you the question. Why do we want to honor God and manage money for him? Why do we want to put God first? Why? First love. Right, because he's our first love. We, we put him in the first place in our life, so we put him first. All right, let's, let's go on to lesson number three. Write this down. Debt destroys my financial dreams. Debt destroys my financial dreams, and everybody's shoulders just sag. They're like, oh, man, we got to go there. Yeah, we're going there. I know. It's like if you got debt in the room, you're like, man, I just the one place I don't want to think about my problems is church, you know. But this, this is fun. Uh, Earl Wilson, this is funny. He, he said, you know, if you think that nobody cares if you're alive, then try missing a couple of car payments. <laughs> he said, this, this would be much better in our world if, if more married couples were as deeply in love as they are deeply in debt. <laughs> And, and man, he's hitting on a nerve because it's true. I mean, there's, there's debt and there's, there's stress that comes with that. And, and it sometimes can impact uh, relationships or marriages. It can cause uh, personal uh, problems, all kinds of areas in your life. Well, Proverbs 22, verse 7, God's word speaks to this. It says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Some strong language is saying, man, you're, you're slave to the lender. And when you, when you get these debts in your life, it's like a weight. The shackles in your life. And so, you know, God forgives, thankfully. God forgets. He remembers our sins no more. But credit card companies don't tend to do either one of those, do they? <laughs> they don't forgive or forget. They come after you. Once you, once you get a debt, I mean, it's there until you pay it. And uh, it's Dave Ramsey who talks a lot about this. And he says, you know, you need to get gazelle-like intense about getting rid of your debt. And what he means by that is like a gazelle, if you see him going through the savannah, running away from a lion, I mean, they're fast. They're running because they're running for their life. And he's like, some people try to casually get out of debt. That's not going to work. You need, you need to get aggressive. He says, get angry. Get angry with the debt. I'm, I'm mad that I'm in debt, and I'm just not going to stand anymore. I'm going to get out of this debt, whatever it takes. I'm going to get a second job. I'm going to cut some expenses. I'm not going to eat out until I'm out of debt. I'm going to, whatever it takes, I'm just going to cut back, sell stuff, whatever I got to do, I got to get aggressive and get out of debt. And so I think for you to just today to make a decision wherever you're at. If that's you and you have debt, I'm done. I think that would set you free. And man, the average, the average person, the average family, they have quite a bit of debt. Um, we have a Financial Peace University uh, class that's now meeting, which is so cool. In our church, every other week they're meeting and uh, on Wednesday nights. And there's 10 families in that class. And they took an anonymous survey and their leader shared with, this, with me, allow me to share this with you, that um, 
collectively, the, the non-mortgage debt in the group was $221,000. So on average, over $22,000 per family, and a total credit card accounts were 38. So almost four credit cards per family, averaging a little over $20,000. And that's pretty normal for people. And, and Dave Ramsey says, well, normal is broke. And he's like, we gotta, we gotta change this. And so I wanna challenge you guys. Those people are all changing it. And they're gonna measure it again at the end of the semester. And I can't wait to see where they go and all that's accomplished in, in their own lives. But, but where are you at and where you, do you need to go to make sure that doesn't uh, become a pressure in your life that's, that's hindering you? Well, this next lesson, I, I hope, will uh, really set you up to live a life of generosity and to be free from some of the things we were talking about when it comes to debt. And that's number four, earning plus saving leads to margin. It's an important word. Earning plus saving leads to margin, which gives you options, gives you more options. When you save more than what you spend, meaning you don't have a negative cash flow. A negative cash flow is when you, you make, let's say, $100 and you spend $110. By the way, that's what most people in our world do. It's not sustainable. And when you spend less, let's say you spend $90 out of the 100 then you have $10 that you can save. So having margin is, is very wise, and being diligent at that man, makes such a difference. I, I want to look back at Proverbs again, chapter 14, one more time, verse 23. It says, all hard work brings a profit. So, so when, you, when you work hard, you work hard in your career, and you're diligent, and, and, and you sacrifice, you, you, you can make money. But verse 23 goes on, it says, uh, but mere talk only leads to poverty. So there's diligence is what brings the increase. It's, it's wisdom and diligence. It's working hard. And, and part of that is that diligence is to be saving, is to be careful and, and to set up margin in your life. Uh, Dave Ramsey again says, if you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. And you can also beat future problems. Uh, he's famous for saying, you know, when there's a car problem in your life, which we all know that a car is broken down. How many of you had a car break down in the last year? Any car problems in the last year? How about in the last three years? How many of you had a car problem at all? Okay, pretty much everybody, right? Well, when you have a car problem, he says, if, if you're not in a good place financially, you actually have two problems. You have a car problem and a financial problem because you got to figure out the finances so that you can fix the car. But he's like, if you get your money in a good spot, then you only have one problem. You just have a car problem. You go to the bank and get the money you saved up in your emergency fund, and you go take care of the emergency. You only have one problem. You don't take care of your money. You have two problems when something goes wrong. And so I think this is really important, and I want to invite uh, Travis. I believe it's Travis in the room. Come on up, Travis. Travis uh, is a friend of mine, and some of you guys might see up here drumming from time to time. He's very involved. And Travis is also, yeah, let's welcome Trav. He, he is a portfolio manager. So what that means is Travis works with money and investments all the time. And so he's got a great story from that that he shared with me, and I, I want him to share with you guys. So. Uh, thanks, Brandon. And it's, uh, it is truly a God thing, actually. Brandon called me up and asked me to, to speak on this because it was something that it's a story that had just come up in, uh, this last week for me. Uh, it's a story I had a client. This is uh, years ago. Uh, was a retired factory worker, never, never made a whole lot of money, but he was very faithful, saved money, invested, invested wisely. And one day he called me up and said, Travis, I want to take $100,000 out of my account, all right? So it wasn't like he had millions, and it was an insignificant sum to him. But uh, I, I was like, well, what's going on? Because this is not like your normal behavior. And he said, well, you know, my sister is a missionary, and I want to give $100,000 to the missions at my church. And I just thought it was such a great illustration of being faithful 
He's saved over his entire life. He is an older gentleman. Uh, and I just thought it, it, it reminded me that in what brought it to mind earlier this week, I was listening to a Rick Warren podcast, and he talked about how we cannot take our wealth of this world. We cannot take it with us when we go. But we can send it on up ahead. And he's That's talking good. about building treasures in heaven. And, um, and in, just this morning as I was thinking about this, uh, it, it really made me happy in that this guy is very influential in my life and uh, that his story is still uh, encouraging people and it's still a God story <laughs> and even though he's passed uh, almost 20 years ago now. Wow, that's amazing, Chaz. Hey, isn't that a cool story, you guys? That's awesome. Somebody who didn't make a lot of money relatively said, I'm going to save, and then was able to meet a need in his sister's life to be a missionary. I just think that's so cool what we can do. And so saving is a spiritual thing when you, when you can be wise with it, honor God with it. And that's what I want for you. Number five, if I fail to make a spending plan, I'm planning to fail. <laughs> that's not a phone to write down, but you need to write that down. If I fail to make a spending plan, I'm planning to fail. You know, we talked about this the first week of this teaching series, so it makes sense to come back to this here in our last week because it's what a lot of people struggle with. They don't want to have a budget. And why? It's, well, it's bad past experience. I'm not a numbers person. I tried it three times. It never worked for me, so I'm on to, you know, something else. And, like, there's so many reasons why we don't. But in the end of the day, every financial manager will tell you this. You need to have a budget, a plan. Okay? Call it a plan of the budget word. The B word's hard for you to say. Call it a plan. Now, you need to have a plan because what we talked about is simply this is that that a budget, a plan, is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And so if you can tell your money where to go and you can actually have the discipline to follow through on that, make it simple. Don't make it complex and hard to track. Just real simple. Say, this is where my money's going to go and be wise with that. Man, you can please God with it because you can pray about it. You can do it as it says in Proverbs 16, 3, and you can commit your way to the Lord uh, and whatever you do, and he will establish your plans you can say, God, here's my plan. Is this pleasing to you? Is this what you want? And man, it can really set you free and set you up for the future. So seek advice, get help where you need it, but make a plan. Make a plan, make a budget. You need that. Maybe that's your assignment when you leave here is to go make a plan and stick to it. All right, number six of the seven lessons. This is so impacting, man. When, when I see contentment in Christ, I find blessings everywhere. When I see contentment in Christ, I find blessings everywhere. And when you're establishing a plan and it's new in your life um, and a budget, you're probably going to find out you have to cut some things that are hard for you to cut, that you've been used to just spending wildly and freely, that you're going to have to tighten up in order to make the budget work. The first few months, the first year can be tough in a plan. It gets better. You're free more over time. It's actually a freeing thing. Most people don't realize that. But the longer you do it, the more years you do it, man, it's, it just compounds. It gets better. But in those early seasons especially, you're going to need this lesson, contentment. You're going to need it your whole life. But when you're trying to make cuts, you got to realize, man, there, there's everything I need is in Christ. It's not in more. The opposite of contentment is greed. Now, I'm going to be happy when I get more in my life, and more is not what's going to make you happy because there's always going to be more. And you don't have to take my word for it. I want, you, I want to point you to God's word because God says so much about this. 1 Timothy 6 it says, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So, 
desiring more money, if that's your goal, and maybe without realizing that that's become your goal, I'm gonna, and, and you've, you've kind of set the mindset this way, I'll be happy when, and for you, that's a number. It's a pay raise that you're gonna get. It's a certain amount of money in the bank. It's when you pay off debt. It's when, when you get a home one day. It's when you can retire, go on vacation. What, whatever that is, it's different for everybody, right? It's, it's a perspective. But, but whatever that thing is, if you're not gonna be happy until you get that, I can tell you something that's true. When you get that, it might make you happy for a moment, but you won't find real joy because there'll be something next. They'll be like, you get that, and you're like, well, if I could just get here, then I'll be happy. It's, it's a mindset, and you can be set free from that. Paul in Philippians talks about this, and he says, you know, I've learned to be content in every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He's like, man, I've learned to be content whether I have a lot or I have a little, and I've had both. And he said, the secret is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how you find contentment. Is, is Jesus, you're more than enough for me. Whether I have a lot or I have a little, I'm not gonna get sucked up into the way of this world. It just, man, that, that's toxic. The greed of our culture, man, it grabs your soul and it, it incarcerates you. It holds you captive to living, keeping your eyes on what's temporary right in front of you. I'm not gonna be happy until I get more. And I'm just telling you, don't live your life for that. Your life's short. You take nothing from this world that you gather. You, you, know, you don't get to take any of your possessions with you. And you're going to stand before God one day and give account to him. You know, I was playing baseball in my front yard with my, my boys uh, uh, just recently. And a neighbor came over. He's moving. And he had a couple rocks in his hands. And he kind of walked onto our little made-up field there in the front yard. And he's like, hey, guys, I got a question for you. And so I stopped and said, well, what's going on? He says, well, um, I'm moving. And I have this big pile of these nice decorative rocks uh, on the side of my house. And... Uh, I'm just going to get rid of everything, make it look nice. Would, would you want these rocks? And I didn't really have a project around my house where I needed rocks, but they were nice and they were valuable. And I thought, well, if he's getting rid of them, you know, why not? I have a little, by my trash bin on the side of my house, I have a little pile of rocks. So maybe I could just put them there. And then if I need them one day, then I, I have them, right? So I said, yeah, we'll take them and we'll come over after the game. So we finished our game and me and my two boys and a neighbor kid, we all take these buckets over there. My boys grab these bins out of the garage and we go over there and we start filling them with these nice decorative like river rocks into the, into the bins. And so I was the designated carrier for the, the big bin. And so this thing is like half full of these heavy rocks. And I lifted up, I'm like, oh man, that's heavy. I'm feeling the strain, you know? I'm like walking across the street. I'm sweating, it's hot and it's so heavy. I'm like, man, rocks are heavy. And I'm carrying this to my house. I'm like, I don't even need these rocks. You know, what am I doing right now? And I feel like God gave me this lesson in my mind. It was like, this is a life lesson I learned. It's like, you know what? These rocks were free, but they still cost me something. And every time you spend money, you know, there's, there's a price tag, but there's always a, a cost to it that's different than the price you pay. Well, I'm just I'm upgrading my car. It's just a $200 a month payment. It's a $400 a month payment, whatever. But that's the price to it, but what's the cost? I'm, I'm upgrading my house. I've been you know, happy in this house for a while, but I'm gonna get some more space. I'm gonna get a bigger house. Well, there's a certain price that you qualify for. The mortgage person will tell you this is what you qualify for, but the cost might be that you're working a second job so that you can make it happen. And it might be a lot of stress and pressure on your life. Now, I'm not saying anything against either one of those things. Those are good things. If you need to do them, if you need to get a vehicle, then get a vehicle. If you need to get home, get home. But I'm not, it's not about those things. It's about this. Sometimes we make purchases without thinking it through. And we, we, the, the big ticket items in your life, now it's true with the smaller things too, but what are the big things in your life? The big, the big steps, the, the, the decisions that are gonna impact your life for the next few years, there's sometimes a cost to it that you don't analyze when you're, when you're making the decision. 
All right, number seven, we live generously because he was first generous to us. We live generously because he was first generous to us. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his one and only son. He's a generous God. He gives to us, and he wants us to be givers. Natalia, if you can come on up here. I I want you guys to hear from Natalia. You you hear her awesome voice when she sings, but she also has an awesome heart. Yeah, welcome her. Well, Natalia um, told me a story uh, recently that I thought was so impacting and a lesson that she learned from it, and I, I want you to learn that lesson as well. So, Natalia, tell us what happened. Um, okay, so a few weeks ago, I got really, really sick. I was in the hospital, and um, it was just bad. And so, but I had to go to work because obviously, you know, you have to pay bills. And so, I'm at work and I'm struggling to make it by. I mean, I'm like turning green. Okay, my boss is like, "Why are you here?" <laughs> um, and so, surely enough, I'm just struggling to go through work, and I find this note on my desk, and it's saying, "Hey, you know what? Go home, go rest. You need to go rest." And it says, we'll pay you to go home. It's $116, which is what I make in a day at work, right? I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is great. Like, I can go home and I can relax and whatever. So that night, I go to my mother-in-law's house and they are having prayer. And um, I get paired up with this one girl that I don't really typically talk to. And so she's praying for me, you know, healing that I could feel better. And I'm praying for her now. But she's not too open with me. So I'm, I'm wondering, what is it that I could like, pray for her about? And I'm getting this urge, like, there's something that she needs. And so I ask her, I'm like, what, what do you need? And at this point now, she's already crying. And she's like, I, I just can't pay my water bill. And I'm like, well, how much is your water bill? She goes, it's $116. And I was like, what? Wow. It's the same amount that I got paid that same day. And so instantly, I knew what God wanted me to do. So I... When I looked at her, I said, don't even worry about it. It's going to get paid. I gave her the money. She was crying. I was crying. And, but I thought it was amazing how God lined all of that up um, just so that I could bless her. It was, it was awesome. Isn't that amazing, you guys? What an incredible story. I love hearing stuff like that. And, and, it, and her obedience, I mean, that really made the difference. And, and God lined it up like she said. And you know what? God wants to line up opportunities for you to strategically make a difference in other people's lives too. But you have to get yourself in a place to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, sometimes we think, well, I, I can never do something like that. But, man, you can. God could use you to be generous, to bless someone, to help someone in need. Uh, and it might be someone in your own family that's going through a hard time. It, it might be someone that lives around you. But, man, God wants us as the church to be a light in our community, to be a light in our world, to lift those who are down, and to be generous. And I'll point you to First John uh, chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, This is how we know what love is. So our faith is all about love. Here's how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Listen, verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech. I'll pray for you. (laughs) I'm thinking about you. (laughs) But with actions and in truth. Yeah, I think it's good to pray for people, but sometimes we're supposed to act and we're supposed to help others. And so, man, what if if we lived generous lives? What if we had that freedom with margin in our life? We're diligent, like the Bible says, so that we can bless others. I think it would be so powerful. Well, I want to wrap up this message with a challenge to put your finances in order. Put them in order. Put put things in the right order so that down the road in your life, man, you can be in a better position uh, things are going to be uh, going well for you and, uh, and financially so that you, you're freed up from the worries of money. 
1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, in the early church, it says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And you know, they're talking about helping meet needs of people, and they did it in an orderly way in the New, in the New Testament church. You know, on, on the first day of the week, and then they, they did it, in, and so that was a system, a rhythm in their life. They did it in keeping with their income. That was a percentage, so it was a part of their income. It wasn't all of it. It was a portion of it. So they, they, they were very orderly in how they did it. And some of us only give casually or haphazardly, or we don't give anything at all. And I want to challenge you to move from, from whatever you're doing to be more strategic about it. And be wise with it. Pray about it. If you're married, sit down and talk about it. How can we be generous? How can we put God first? How can we save? How, how can we be wise in managing all that God's given us so that we put things in the right order and so that we can honor him? My hope is that you'll put things in the right order, that God will set you free. And as we wrap up this teaching series, my hope is that you'll actually be able to do what God's uh, wanting us to do in his word and what we have printed on our money. And that's in God we trust. And I hope in him you will trust even in your money. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today. We can move mountains, your strengths are we can move.